Hey everybody, welcome to Black and White Reviews. I'm Lee. And I'm Chuck. And if you don't if you don't know what we do, if you're not familiar with our show, uh, what we basically do is we take TV shows and movies and we break them down to like the nitty gritty and we really get down into it. So if you haven't seen or watched or listened or whatever to whatever it is we're talking about, check that out first because we're it's all about spoilers here. So uh, what Chuck and I generally do, what our thing is usually about, is about the show The Chosen. And guess what? Season 2, Episode 1. That's right. Dropped on Resurrection Sunday. So um, we watched it. I mean, I watched it a couple of times. I don't know if you watched it a couple of times, yep. but um, either way, I'm really, really excited that we have a season two for Chuck. Um, he didn't have to wait very long between season one and season two. I did, but I'm glad that I got to watch it all the way through again and get ready for this. Um, first episode, um, I can definitely say my opinion on the first episode, which is called Thunder. Um and at first, I'm like, why is it called Thunder? You know, like, are we getting into, like, Thor here? No, okay. But when I first watched the episode, I was really, uh, I, I don't know, maybe I was I was slightly disappointed. I'll be honest. I know, I know, I know. You see, I see your face there. I was, I was almost slightly disappointed because I expected something so great, but that's what happens when you have big expectations for something that is not, I mean, straight, just God. Um, so... I walked into it, and I watched it. I liked the parts I watched, but in my second viewing, I'm like, this episode is perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. Oh, I love it. So I just, for, for me, I have to watch things twice to get a full feel for it. So um, I personally love the episode. I'm glad that after all the time went by, um, that it still feels the same, but, like, even better because we they know now, like, okay, we've got people who really enjoy this. We're going to have fun with it. Um. I mean, right off the bat, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically how I feel. What, what's your general idea or feeling on the episode, Chuck? I, I, I fell in love with it instantaneously. Mm. Um, I love how they brought in some newer film styles into the, into the show. Right. Um, they kind of dabbled with the breaking of the fourth wall, which we'll probably get into. Um Matthew with the beard was hilarious. We'll get there. <laughs> um, I mean, other than that, though, I love how they tied up a lot of the stuff from season one. They brought some stuff that we that they left hanging in season one. They kind of tied it up in this episode. I enjoyed that overall. I thought it was well, well, well written. I thought it was beautiful. Um, it was funny. It was sarcastic. It was. It was just well done, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I personally, like you said, I personally couldn't ask for more in how it was written and how it was portrayed. And I don't know. I can't wait. I love for the fact that for the first time, we're both fresh with this. Mm-hmm. And it's not like one of us has already seen it and the other one's coming on board. This is a first for both of us. Um, we haven't talked about it yet. So... We um, almost did. Yeah, we almost did. <laughs> like, but I'm no. <laughs> interested to see how this season goes with us watching it for the first time together. Well, not together, but on our own. But without one of us already knowing what's going to happen. Right. So we, we, we can now... Like in season one, you knew it was going to come down the pike. Oh, yeah. From, you know, the first episode. Now neither of us know. And right. it's kind of a cool feeling to kind of both be on that same page moving forward. Um, so... 
I'm excited to see what they do with this. Me too. So, so the interesting thing about this, and I, I think it'll it'll it will definitely make things interesting for how we're going to be doing this podcast. Um, so right now we get together once a week, or at least that's how it's been since we started the first season. And you know we do it, then we air it, and that's how it goes. Now the interesting thing is that Dallas Jenkins, not Corbin Dallas. <laughs> Uh, Corbin Dallas, multipass. Multipass. Uh, he's a meat popsicle. Um, he, <laughs> Dallas Jenkins. Wow, here we go. <laughs> he basically announced like he they really wanted to get this show out, so they're doing something very different than basically any other show ever, and saying we're not going to have everything ready and just put stuff out there, you know, consistently. They're basically releasing the episodes as they're completed. So we saw this first episode right after it was ready to go. So the second episode still wasn't even finished. Oh gosh. I don't know if you, oh, you didn't see that. I wasn't you, aware oh yeah. So so mm. when I watched the show, it was Sunday night and it was as they were doing the live stream, so we heard what he was talking about. So basically, we're not going to have a consistent schedule for this show. He he was saying, Dallas was saying that they're hoping to have the the first episode based on what he heard from his team and this and that, and all the editing and everything, by this Friday, which is great because that put us back on schedule. However, um, it could be two weeks. So we don't really know. So we're going to release these episodes on Shabbat, as we've always done, because I think that makes sense, um, but as the new ones come out. So it's going to change up how we do things a little bit. Um, there might be a week where we don't have an episode. There might be even two weeks we don't have an episode. Right. Um, but that's just we're we're going to be sticking with it. Like whenever an episode comes out, hey, guess what? It's going to be released by Shabbat. So Sweet. that's how it's going to be. So I know that was new news to you, Chuck. But yeah. <laughs> hey, but, you know what? I'm I'm still on board with the fact that it's fresh for both of us, and I like that. Yeah. So anyway, for those of you who also don't know what we're doing, I mean, I know where we've jumped off the whole like here's the show uh, thing, but explaining what we're doing. Uh, Chuck is now um, he's a regular a, a regular on the show. So we're officially bringing Chuck in. So he is the gray of the black and white. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. Well, I mean, that's just how it is. So I'm anyway, regular. my doctor told me I'm never mind. <laughs> <You're>, uh, great. <laughs> yeah, that's terrific. You're getting enough fiber. Anyway, <laughs> so let's get into this whole thing. Actually, one other thing, too, about this is really cool. So if you haven't seen it, um, so VidAngel is now um, changing their, I wouldn't say their image, but their brand is now advanced over to Angel Studios. So and they're partnering up with Loaves and Fishes, which it's becoming bigger and bigger now too. Right. So it looks pretty cool that they're they're doing this. So now they're really starting to become this bigger thing. So for the longest time, anybody who's ever watched any type of Christian film knows <clears throat> that unfortunately um unfortunately a lot of Christian movies just aren't up to par with what Hollywood's doing and um yeah, so it's nice to see that the chosen has been doing that with everything they've been doing with VidAngel. So I I think this is becoming a new standard for Christian film, I and hope so. I really hope so too. Because I mean, God's Not Dead was a great start. I thought God's Not Dead was not bad for what it was. It's still a little and cheesy. Then, yeah, it's still a little cheesy. Do you believe another great film? In magic. Um, huh? 
Okay. <laughs> you said, do you believe? I said, it's yeah. magic. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you on that one. I think Christian movies, for the most part, have been, I would classify them as... B-movies. B-movies. Um, the Passion of Christ, I wouldn't put in that category. Um, but outside of that, most of them have been B-movies. And I would love to see them go further. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, really get out of this... What makes it a Christian movie? Does it always have to have a Christian message for it to be a Christian movie? Can't a Christian just make a good movie and then it be a Christian movie? Yeah. Well, but then again, so a band, let's say, let's I'm bring it down to music. Um, a band could be full of Christians but not be a Christian band. Right? Well, I've seen <clears throat> bands where, you know, they've put out CDs where the first few songs are about God. Mm-hmm. And then the last few songs are actually romance songs that you could listen to about right. a girl. But are they Christian bands? They were Christian bands. Exactly. So, but that's the thing is, could it be this? Could it be that? I think the point is everything, if you're going to do something that's going to be a Christian music or Christian band or whatever, that most of your message has to bring you back to God. Now, as long as you're not in, in those songs, you say like a romance song that could be this or that. As long as you're not saying, I love you more than God, right. <laughs> then then you're well, still under that Christian umbrella. Right, they have, um, they have the, <laughs> the trilogy book, um, I think it's like the, the Day of War or something like that. It's about David and his mighty men. Mm-hmm. And the book itself, or take any, if you don't know the author, Frank Peretti, <clears throat> he's, he does Christian thriller, Christian horror for his stories. Okay. Phenomenal stories. Mm-hmm. The Oath, Piercing the Darkness, This Present Darkness. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, very, very good movie. Very, very good books. And if they made a movie about it, would it the, the, the story of salvation is intertwined mm-hmm. through it, and it is the premise of the book or books, like in The Oath, you don't know that right. until he starts bringing it up towards the end of the book. Right, right. So it's like... <clears throat> why couldn't they do that? But, you know, Christians are like, oh, it has to be about the love of God, and it has to be about... The, like, you see Christian movies where, you know, a guy and a girl date, and they can barely hug mm-hmm. because oh, they don't yeah, want to give the wrong that. message. It's like, <laughs> really, let's just... let's be. And what I love about this is you see relationship. Mm-hmm. Jesus is... I love Jesus, how sarcastic he was in oh, this episode. Oh, man. It was beautiful. Um, but you see real life in this. Isn't sarcasm I, a sin? It is. <laughs> um, but he was sinless. Right. Well. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, this right here, what what Dallas Jenkins is doing in this is he's actually making Christianity kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. God forbid. Um, but he's that's sarcasm. Movies. I mean, he's already got almost one billion viewers on this. If you look at the app, it's almost one billion viewers. It's insane. It's I, you insane. Know, it's like that's, a, that's almost a tenth. That's over. I mean, there's what eight billion people on the earth, roughly mm. eight point five. So yeah. we're almost you know halfway an there. Eighth. I'm kidding. Well, an eighth. <laughs> an eighth. Yes, but still, that's amazing. Right, but imagine if other Christian producers caught the vision and start doing yeah start following doing, suit you know yeah. 
get rid of the the that fake oh my gosh and like I can't oh and oh we're Christians and we can't say this and we can't do that and we can't do this we can't do that no I I believe in Galatians it says you can do we can do all things are lawful mm-hmm. but not all things are profitable so <clears throat> granted we're not going to go out there and say go and sin and do all of this stuff but at the same time let's have why can't we just have the best music the best movies like and this right here for a TV show or for a series, mm. probably one of my favorites now. Oh, yeah. And it's Christian. Yeah. It's awesome. I know. It's so good. So so good. So good. Oh, you weren't there on Sunday. I was singing that. Were you really? Oh, it was great. I was there a second, but I wasn't there first. You were doing, it was that glory, glory, hallelujah, Jesus, you were good. I'm going, so good, you're so good. And I'm like, I wish Chuck was here. <laughs> Inside joke. It's just, I don't know. So it's good. So good. <laughs> anyway. Ah, so let's get into the episode itself. So basically, the show starts off with this, like, future interview, you know, like a like a face right to the camera interview. That fourth wall part. Um, that fourth wall part you were talking about. Basically asking each disciple of Christ how they met Jesus. And we don't really know who's asking it first, but we eventually get to it that it's John. Right. So John, you know, the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> the most, according to John. <laughs> it's the one, yeah, it's ridiculous how they just keep on laying that so thick. But um, they're going through it, and it's, um, it's great, because we're seeing, we see, we see Simon, um, who I guess at this point is Peter, but they still call him, we still know him as Simon. Now, the weird thing is, and I have to ask, when we see this, this is right after, right after Jesus was crucified. See, that's what I was, they've time-stamped everything else. Mm-hmm. They didn't time-stamp this. But, so. but they said, why are you doing this now? They're still sitting Shiva. Is it which right means, after he died, or is it right after he ascended? We don't know. How much time was that? 40 days? Roughly. Okay, well, still. With but considering either, the amount of time that's passed, but three way, three years and forty days, let's say, why do they have white beards like white in their beards? Why do they make everybody there look older? I, I hate to rip on something. I understand they should look older, but they all looked like well, ten years older. Matthew's beard was the Matthew's beard. I when it when it showed up, I laughed <laughs> out loud because he looked like a muppet. It was awful. It was such a big joke. Suddenly he's got this giant rabbi beard. And you're Simons like, Simons was okay because you could tell Simons was... But you think they're traveling a lot. I mean, there's stress. There's, they're going through life. It's pretty... <laughs> I mean, I... Three years and they... And Thaddeus looked like he was on his deathbed. I was like, what happened to him? Simon didn't... I mean, Simon was a little bit gray. Didn't lose his... Uh, his humor. <laughs> I loved it. So... Creepy so, John. Oh my God. So... I mean, yeah, I just, that is my only beef with it, is they looked a lot older than three years later. That's, that's my beef. I have to say it. That's what I'm saying, is it, is it three years later? It has to be. Three years and 40 days. Whatever. They, they were. I wish, it's just like when you and Will were talking about, um. Batman, like it was, there's no timestamp. Yes. Yeah, I know. We We were talking about, yeah, Zack Snyder, there was no, was this right after the fact? Was it? You know, was after he, after he was crucified. Well, after regar- regardless, we know that it started, and then three years later, it ended. So, 
regardless of a timestamp or not, we know biblically, historically, it was within four years. Okay, we'll give it that. In four years... They were at the ripe old age of at least 22, 23 years old. <laughs> yeah, with, with big, gigantic, bushy beards <laughs> and, and, like, white hairs. I'm just... No. Thaddeus looked super old. I don't know what it was, but he looked weird. Anyway, okay. That, that is my is only Math- beef. Matthew's beard was the only thing for me. Because as soon as it, it showed was, up, you're like, what? I'm looking for Matthew, and I'm like, nope, that's Matthew. That's <laughs> hilarious. It made me laugh. There's actually a lot of this scene. I love how they went for that fourth wall break, mm-hmm. bringing in the new style of filming. Um, I loved how they brought some of the old stuff from season one into it, like the creepy John. Yeah. When Simon's like, Simon, so, you can't. So, like, he has to like. So yeah. Set so basically, as it's going, I mean, they're they're talking they're talking about everything, and as as Andrew is trying to explain his story and how he first heard him. He's like, so I saw John the baptizer and, and immediately Simon interjects creepy John, not just interjects. Like he comes on screen. Yeah. He jumps he's in like, and goes creepy John. Creepy John. He gets in there. He's like, I won't let him speak. And then he's like, and he comes up and John the baptizer sees Jesus. and He goes, behold. And then new bef- bugs. <laughs> so before, so he says, behold, and Simon jumps in in front of him and he goes, I have found, I'm eating a new bug. <laughs> he says, I, I at laughed. that point, I lost it. I it lost just... it. I'm just like, I love that he's still ripping on Creepy John. Yep. Like, even that. after everything that just happened, everything they just witnessed. John's dead. John's dead. He's beheaded Je- at some point. Exactly. Jesus is, is gone. He's either dead or ascended. Yeah. And, and but. There's Simon still ripping on John, <laughs> on Creepy John. Behold, I've eaten a new bug. <laughs> it's just, it's too funny. I love the too interaction funny. between, I don't know if it was directly after this, um, Matthew being Matthew. Yeah, so in this, um, as Matthew's having his thing, he's like, well, I think it was around the, the 11th hour of the day. And he goes, we don't need to be precise. And he goes, oh, well, shouldn't we be precise? Well, yeah, he's like, well, mine will be precise. Mine will be precise. <laughs> I, love, I love towards the end of the episode, Jeff Ahebe, John is telling his mother, he's like, yeah, I'll let Matthew take care of that. Because he's going through the, yeah, through all of the um, ancestry. Yeah, and he's the like, ancestry. Yeah, I'll yeah. let Matthew take care of all of that. So he's realizing that, okay, let's let Matthew just be. Let, let Matthew do, and, and it's funny to me, like, let Matthew do the boring stuff that we, it's whatever. It's, we all know. Okay, there's the ancestry. Good, we have the history, but we want to hear. We want to hear the the meat. You know, we right. want to get to the meat of the story. So when we're going through the gospels, sometimes we go, "Oh, somebody, so son of such, such and such, married to so and so, who had sons of such and such of so oh, and so, and then here and there." There's like four chapters of. Oh, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Read Nehemiah. Oh yeah, I've never read Nehemiah. Uh, so yeah, no, I get it. But that's the point. Is like there's so many parts in scripture. You know, numbers. Oh, the book of numbers, the most exciting book ever made. Um, hey, hey. Well, there's some parts. I, I yeah, but it's numerically intriguing. Mm, great. And I hate math. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, but I like Matthew. Oh, Matthew. Ooh. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I, I thought it was great to see that Matthew just being Matthew. And he's not changing. Like he, he changed in his like sense of like understanding where he needed to walk, but he still is him right. with his gifts and 
he he believes in them. He knows he's he's still not changing who he is, right? For who he is, but like where he is and his circumstances, how he lives, you know, it's has changed. Anyway, you realize at this point that John is conducting the interview, and you get it because he's referring to Mary as his mother, and then she refers to him as her son, which. Obviously, Jesus says, like, all of these are my, my brothers and sisters, so you will refer to them like, these are your children. You know, he says that before he passes, before he's gone, passed away. Right. <laughs> passes on, ascends. <laughs> no? Well, I think, never mind, keep going. Okay. Um, but it was really cool to see that. Um, and then, but the whole thing is, like, John wants to get it all down while it's fresh. That's the point. She's like, why are you doing this right now? Like, we're supposed to be, like, sitting Shiva, like, mourning him, and you're running around conducting interviews. It's like, I want to get this done now. You can tell for two things. One, he wants to be accurate. Two, he's coping. Right. This is how he's coping. You know, he feels like he was the most connected to Jesus and that the he needs loved. to be the one, the most loved he needs to be the one to make sure that everything happens with honor. You know, everything right. happens correctly. And it's funny because, and it just hit me now, um, no offense to anybody in my family, but when my grandmother passed away when I was 17, 16, 17, um, they didn't tell me until after the show I was at. I forgot which show it was, Grease or something in high school. They waited till after the show. I realized it was weird when like my whole family was sitting in the crowd, and I'm like, why are you guys all here? It's because they wanted to talk to me after the show and tell me my grandmother passed away. Anyway, um, my, my nana, she, I felt like I had a, a deeper connection with her than the rest of her um, grandchildren mm -hmm. because I would spend so much time with her. I would always make efforts to see what she wanted to do. I would, I would like bring her gifts just because I wanted to. And I felt that other people in the family, um, would just kind of like go over there and eat her food and say, give me candy, you know, and then move on. Um, so I kind of always felt that sense of like, I had to be the one to make sure she was honored. I had to be the one to make sure that her legacy carried on. Um, and, and in a way I kind of did because, um, my father, before she passed away, he changed his last name to his mother's maiden name, mm. although she kept her married name. So at that point, when she passed away, I was the last Dickerson in the family. So it was kind of like, ooh, carry the torch. <laughs> Not that Dickerson is a, a, a name that everybody wants to hold on to. Like, you know, yeah, I got fun of. <laughs> you got fun of? I got made fun of. <laughs> I got fun of. I got fun of. <laughs> I got fun of. <laughs> I got made fun of as a kid for having a name like that. But it's like, what? Son of Richard. Okay, I get it. Let's move on. But it was like, I really felt at that point, and I can kind of understand how John was feeling here, how they portrayed him to feel, which it's like, I was connected more than anybody else. So I feel it's my responsibility to ensure that his legacy is carried on properly. Right. So it's funny that that just hit me just now, but anyway, moving on. Um, so he was talking about him being in the inmost circle and how he loved him. And at one point she was saying, um, you know, how Jesus's words were eternal and everything. But at one point she says something, goes like, oh, that's good. That's a disclaimer. I'll use that. That's, that's fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, but the whole question was like, where do I start? And it's like, what was before the garden? Like he loves to go back to the beginning, which, you know, comes up later on in the episode is the whole thing is that he wants to start at the beginning. Oh, okay. So you want to start with, you know, 
with, you know, his, how about his birth? No, 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 more than that. Okay, well, how about Abraham? No, 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 more than that. It's like, okay, well, how far back are we going to go here to explain? And it's really cool because if anybody who's gone through redemptive history, which we, you know, provided our, our church, um, that Steve does, it's really, really cool because you see this cyclical story, you know, where everything is all tying back to the beginning, the middle, the, the end. Like God is writing this story that he's been writing since the beginning. You know, so it's really cool that like John recognizes this is a full story that started right back in the beginning, right, right when everything was created. This is all tied in where everybody else is like, look, here's this thing right now and happening now. No, no, this has been happening. We're just seeing the fruits of it here. So I thought that was cool. Anyway, we get after that, we get the 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 Jesus fish going across the other fish, the current. I was I was kind of hoping for an up up updated intro. It wasn't. I actually said that. I told I was watching it, and uh, my wife was right next to me. She was doing some work, and I was like, "I really hope they, no, no, if they, they kept the same." I said it out loud too, and the family were all watching it. My girls were starting to fall asleep. It was really late when they finally aired it. Um, Dallas had a lot to say before the episode aired, so it was like eight thirty, and the kids already had a busy day. I watched it like. 1030 at night. Yeah, we, we watched the live stream as it was going, which was cool to kind of be there with everybody else. And we saw a lot of comments that were live comments, like, just play the episode already. <laughs> like, <laughs> like D- Dallas, like, I love what he's doing. I love that he likes to explain things. But for somebody who's not like me, who's into directing and filmmaking and, you know, seeing how they put it together, people just want to watch the episode, man. Yeah. <laughs> Like, just get to on, it. On the app, they show both. You could do both. Right, right. And I was like... This one. <laughs> yeah. No, so so Dallas, if for some reason you're hearing this, I love what you're doing, man. Have it as a bonus thing for people who want to, like, watch the commentaries and hear more about it. Um, just because, I mean, if, if the point here is to is to get people to who who aren't believers to want to know more about it, get to it. Right. <laughs> Please, um, go back to you know, the beginning. yes. And I, I love that things are coming out now. I know I jumped into the live stream and I, I feel bad that my kids were just sitting there waiting until they finally passed out just before the episode actually started. But here we are. Here's the episode. So John and Big James, a different Big James, which they announced right there. Some new guy playing Big James. I didn't notice that. They said it right in the beginning in the credits. I didn't notice that. Yeah, or credits or whatever. Yeah, either way, um, my wife noticed it, and she goes, oh, somebody else is playing Big James. Like, they made a big deal out of it. Like, just so you're not confused, because they recognize that there are certain characters in here that you don't know who's who. We know Simon, we know Andrew, we know Matthew. It's pretty much the three that we know. You said Andrew, right? Yeah. Yeah. Simon, Andrew, Matthew, and Mary. And Thomas. Thomas, but Thomas wasn't around as much. I'm saying from the beginning there, but yeah. Um, so we know them, Thaddeus, James, Big James. Yeah, so these are very new people. So well, they they were already there. It's just we didn't have a connection with them as much. Right. We knew that little, that, you know, young James. He was a singer. Like we we got these little Adam tiny Sandler. little feats. <laughs> He's like Adam Sandler meets Kevin James. I don't. know. I was trying to figure out what it is. Like some no. Adam Sandler Adam meets Sandler Louis C.K. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm Adam trying to... Sandler and wedding singer. Okay. No. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't a mullet. He doesn't have a mullet. Robbie Howard had a mullet. The curly hair. Very Adam Sandler. Waterboy, then. No. Curly hair. 
He had curly hair and wedding singer. He had a mullet. Anyway, Anyways. moving on. Curly uh, hair. So the point is we're finally, we're, we're getting more into the connection with other people here. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering because the first season seemed to be very, very Simon focused. I'm wondering if this season is going to be John focused or just if it's just this episode or the first couple or what. I don't know if it, I think it's going to expand, but every time they've done references to actual scriptural writing, Mm -hmm. it's always been John. Mm -hmm. Even with Nicodemus, Mm -hmm. you saw John out in the back writing. Exactly. Yep. Here you see John, this whole thing is basically a flashback Mm -hmm. of John trying to write his book. Right. Um, His book. The book of John. Yeah. Um, so, you see a lot of that. So this, so I know at least this episode is from his perspective, right? Um, so he's kind of the the center point of what's going on in here. But, I mean, it, it could go. I mean, honestly, your guess is as good as mine. In this case, next episode could be from Matthew's perspective, or we could find out. Right. Luke. And be like, okay. And we won't know until we get there. Right. Right. And I love that this time. So that's what, well, that's what I'm guessing right now. I'm, I'm trying to guess. I'm like, I'm wondering if they're going to go very John-centric for the season, and they're planning on doing like 12 seasons, one of each apostle. Like, Oh, God. No. That'd be interesting. Well, I mean, they want to go. They, they're looking for a multi-season thing. But I'm wondering, like, how much... He said seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, you know, we might have a few episodes that are John-centric and then move on to somebody else. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of hope they don't do that because I, I like the way they did the first season where it wasn't just focused on... One person. Yeah. I mean, but this Simon one was, this was the main focal point. It seemed, yeah. Um, Matt, I mean, there was a lot of Matthew, too. That's right. I would say Simon and Matthew were the two focal points mm-hmm. primarily. Right. I do, I will say this, I do miss, I hope they bring Gaius... Or oh, I'm sure. No, they do. I think any of those guys back in. Yes. Um, Nicodemus will come back at some point. He will. I know you don't think he will, but he has to. Because he does show back up after you know they take him off the cross. Nicodemus is there, so I wouldn't be surprised if they do intertwine him in to like what's going on with him when he's not around when he went back home with his wife and all that stuff. We might see him pop up in like an episode here, just be like, don't forget. There's still Nicodemus, right. you know? So I'm hoping so. It's just how prominent will he be because we know history that he's not right. really around. I miss Eden. Yeah, you miss her? Well, compared... I mean, she was she was a pretty big part. Yeah, but she's at home taking care of Ema, who's, I mean, better now. I guess they're taking care of each other. Right. Making sandwiches and goat's milk or goat cheese. <laughs> Do your friend like goat cheese? I love goat cheese. <laughs> yes. So... um Anyway, we get to John and Big James, and they're out there plowing and basically creating a garden. Like, they cleaned everything up, they're going through it, and they start naming all the things they'd rather be doing than what they're doing. And it's so funny, at one point, like, I'll wrestle a swordfish, like, all these different things. He's like, really? You realize there's, like, a sword on their face, right? Like, <laughs> and it's, it's funny, because the first time I watched it, I didn't hear what they were saying. I was more just trying to figure out, like, who are these guys? Okay, that's John. Is that supposed to be Big James now? He doesn't have, like, short curly hair. He's, like, different, but he's... Okay, he's big. I, he must be Big James. Okay, whatever. I'll get it. Um, and they're going through it, but 
he's they're saying like why are we doing this and everybody else is doing that oh maybe he just likes us best yeah or maybe this or maybe that but they got this the whole thing they got was jesus said that this garden would feed generations but they don't understand they right. clearly don't understand they don't know why they're there they don't know what they're doing and they're building it for travelers yeah they think they're doing it for people who are on missions like they are right. you know, like this this garden will be here so people can come through and get food when they need it and it will be that. But you can kind of get this point that they're like the most racist people of the disciples. And they're so against the Samaritans. Like oh, everybody yeah. everybody else is kind of like the Samaritans. Okay, well, we'll trust you, Jesus. These guys are like the Samaritans are dogs. And like we want nothing to do with, we want nothing to do with it. We're going to avoid them as, as much as we can. And that's pretty much the whole point of the, like, the episode with these guys. Like their story is about how much they are just like against the Samaritans. And don't understand the, the point of what Jesus is doing here. Yeah. I love the transformation about the episode, though, of especially John. Oh, yeah. So some of the few things they get back into other things they would rather be doing. One of them is, like, I'll listen to Matthew talk for a whole minute. <laughs> or, I miss that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather listen to Andrew talk or to Matthew talk for a whole minute. Or I'd rather listen to Andrew's jokes. You know, they just went through everything. And when they said that, I couldn't stop laughing. It's just, okay, I'm really hoping this sets the tone because that's the one thing that we miss in anything else that's a biblical story is humor. Right. You know, and we get that these people are real and they're making jokes with each other. I, I think, love it. I think Jesus' jokes. Oh, uh, we'll get there. I love but they're it. they're incredible. I love it. So we go from that, we see Thomas and Rhema, um, who, you know, Thomas, we know Thomas from, you know, he was the, the basically bringing, he was the caterer. Right. You know, brought the wine and all that stuff. Rhema is the daughter of the of the vintner. Um, what was his business partner? No, wait a minute. No, Rhema is the daughter of the vintner. Yeah, well, yeah, the guy who makes the wine. Yeah, But Gaffney. she's also the one that was like, the last season was like, we should have three jugs, and he's like, no, four. And right. The business partner. Yeah, so he, he's he's like a, he's like the number two guy in, at the at the vineyard. Right, and she's... And she's the daughter. The daughter, and of, also a worker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so they're so, business partners in a sense. Yeah, so basically they're all out there, so Thomas, Rayma, and Gaffney her dad. Um, they're journeying to find Jesus and follow them. And they see, and he's like, the father is against it. I will say, and it's, it's right off the bat. He is way too young to be acting the way that he's acting. They got a, the, the actor they got for him was way too young to seem like her father. And for him to be saying the things he was saying, he was talking like Danny Glover when he was like Leo DiCaprio. Like it just didn't make sense to me. It didn't fit, you know, like, I don't I know why I picked those two names, but the whole point is like, he was much younger. He has a big beard pasted on his face and you're like, okay. And even makes comments about like, I'm old. And I'm like, you're not old. You're just trying to portray somebody who's older. It just, he seemed very young. I thought, I thought he was a great actor, but they could have gotten somebody who was older that would have fit that, that role. I can see that. You know, it, he, it, it seemed, it seemed out of place because of how young he really was. Yeah. You know, but the whole point is like, he's just saying, you guys are dumb. This is stupid. I'm only coming here because I have to, because she's my daughter. And he, you ultimately find out that he wants to have a conversation. He wants to have a conversation with Jesus, right. you know, because, well, I mean, look at this guy who saved my business. That's, that's great. But I need to talk to him about everything else. So 
they they see some Samaritans. They go, oh, shalom. You know, just like, hey, how are you? What's going on? And like, oh. And at one point, he's like, what are you doing talking to my mother, you Jew? Well, at this point, they were disgusting because they were at a fork in the road. Yeah. Oh, which way do and we go? talking about which way do we go. Do we go through Samaria? And they're like, no. no. Or do we go this way? It could take longer. Like, what do we do? And the funny part is, too, is they're having this whole conversation. And the Samaritans on the side of the road are there the entire time. And they're doing whatever they're doing. And they're hanging out, doing whatever they're doing, hanging out, taking care of their camels or their sheep or their goats or whatever they're doing. Uh, While this whole conversation is going on. And then they're like, you know, out of the blue, they're like, oh, there's people over here. We should ask them what to do. And it was like they didn't see them at all while they're having a conversation. No, until just, just right then. Until right then. Yeah. And it's like, no, they were there the entire time. Yes. But they decided at that point to interact because, you know, for storytelling purposes, like, it hey. makes sense to not interrupt it. <laughs> hey, how are you? How are you? <laughs> yeah. And then the Samaritans respond in a very negative way. Yeah. Hey, like, what are you doing talking to my mother, Jew? You know, okay. All right. And it's funny, and this kind of goes back to something I said I said years ago. I forgot when it was, who it was I talked to, but the term Jew, the way they say it sounds very derogatory. Oh, yeah. Now, the way that we all say it, oh, he's a Jew. And they said Jews and Gentiles. Like, they say Jew like it's like, oh, yeah, that's what they are. No big deal. I always felt like it was it was a derogatory thing. It just, because it's like, it just, it just sounds derogatory. So it always kind of bugged me when I was younger hearing people say Jew. I'm like, oh, it just, it sounds racist. And here we see it was. So anyway, it's just seeing it here kind of just like furthers my point. I remember I said that, I think to my mother when I was a kid, she goes, well, you don't have to say it. And I'm like, I understand that, but like, why is it okay? (laughs) Right. No idea. We're not going around dropping the N word like it's nothing, and that's a derogatory state or thing. Yeah, that that'd be that's totally different. I mean, to me, it didn't seem like it was different when I was a kid. You know, if you are from like, you know, someone's from Wakanda, or Wakandans, like the way you would do it, like you would say, "Can't do it every week, every week." Let's continue. I can't do it. Sorry, I'm eating a pickle. Um, anyway, we move on. They're back in. They're in Sakar. That's what we know. They're in Sakar, and we see Andrew, Simon, Mary, Matthew, and young James. And they're and they're waiting for Jesus to finish up his sermon. And well, no, they have no idea. No, where not he yet. Is. Not yet. Yeah, in that section. Not yet. They're in the. They're in the house. Not yet. Not yet. What do you mean, not yet? They think he's in the other room. Finishing his sermon. And then he disappears. Then he disappears. Anyway. Spoiler. <laughs> no. So, yeah. they At one point, they lose him. Where is he? He's not there. But what they're talking about is what their plan is for the day. So, as we see here, these disciples 
are constantly trying to figure out what their plan is. They're over planning. They're making sure like, okay, what are we doing? What do we, what he said this? Okay. What does that mean? So to interrupt, just hit my scene straight. Cause you have the notes. Is this where they're all around the table talking? No. That's later on. Later on. Okay. Yep. Because they do the same thing again then later on. Yes. But there's more people involved. More funny. So they're there, but at one point, Matthew is going all, you know, mathematical, mathematical on on him. Ooh, I like that. Mathematical. Because, you know, his autism mathematics. And he starts talking about it. He's like, okay, so Jesus said we'll be here for two days. There's about a thousand people here. Um, so if we do that and there's this much daylight, 12 hours of daylight. Okay. So that means that we, um, in order to do this uh, and to reach everybody, um, we need to reach, uh, per hour, man per hour. We need to reach 83.3333333. And Simon's just like, yeah, what's 0.33 of a man? <laughs> like, <laughs> and Again, it's just like Simon, who's he's gotten over the fact that Matthew's there. Like he's he's not just like, you know, get him out of here. I hate him. Now he's more just, just like just now he's just annoyed. Now it's just like, you know what? He's here. I might as well just make fun of him. No, he's just he's here and I'm annoyed that he's here. But Jesus loves him. But he's just so annoying to me. <laughs> and, that, and we kind of get that he's annoying to a lot of people. But. Not to me. I think he's great, and I and I would not he's change. He's one of my favorites. He's the best. So, um, yeah, but it's just that whole thing of him over-calculating like that. Anyway, they go like, hey, let's go take a look. So young James goes to talk to Jesus. He goes, hey, Jesus, I think blah, blah, blah. Jesus? Where's Jesus? Okay, he's gone. Great. So they, like, kind of freak out. What do you mean he's gone? Where would he go? So the thing is, they, they basically, like, let's send out a search party. Because let's leave Matthew. Here. Let's leave Matthew here. Like, what do I do? He's like, oh, you stay here. And then he's like, yeah, you know what? That's the most logical thing anyway, because chances are I'll see him before you guys will, because why wouldn't he just come back? So that's his like little coping. Like, yeah, that's right. I'll do this. <laughs> and I'm better than you because I'm smarter. And I love Matthew. That's all I'll say. But he stays behind to wait. Then we, we find out where Jesus is. And he's basically a mechanic. Which I thought was great. He's underneath somebody's cart, which back then is somebody's car. Right. He's Jesus the mechanic now, right. hanging out there fixing this. He goes, oh, this it was the axle. Yeah, well, sometimes you just need a second set of eyes, you know, and he's going through. He's like, hand me that pitch. We'll get this done. We're, we'll be all set. He's like, oh, thanks. You should open up. He's like, you should stay here and not leave and just open up a shop. Now, this was really, really interesting. And I know this might have just been like, maybe I was just picking it up differently or weird. But Jesus says... A shop, huh? Hmm. A shop. And he stops and, like, thinks about it. Like, he says it, um, and it, you could take it two different ways. One, he's just going, huh, that's funny. And two, he's like, I really could. I took it more as he was... He was giving credit where credit was due to the guy. You know, he was acknowledging what the guy said. But then... Knowing he's just, you know, yeah, it sounds like a good idea, but I'm not going to do it. Right. So I, like, he's like, yeah, it could be a good idea. Mm. I, I would, I almost looked at it as a simple temptation because he knows, he knows what he's in for. He knows what's happening. He knows what his plan is for his life. 
I didn't see it that way. And so he's he looked at it and said, hmm, a shop. Now, now I'm not saying like very deep, but more just like it was just his first little quick thought. Not like he, he was ready to like give up what he's doing, but more he just thought about it like, I totally could. I mean, like, I totally could do that. Right. I'm not going to, but I totally could just do that. And just thinking for a second, what would life be like if I did do that? Right. Just to, like a split second thought. And I saw that, and again... I made a joke it, about it, it too, because we wa- I was watching it. My, my wife was doing work for school. So they pan over at him fixing the cart, and I'm like, they have it up on blocks. <laughs> it was like a bunch of stones stacked up with three or four stones on one side and one or two on the other side, so the cart was kind of at an angle. But I was like... That was their way of having the car on blocks back then. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was all jacked up on stones. Yeah. It was hilarious. I was like, that's beautiful. I loved it. Yeah, well, how else would you do it? <laughs> and have hydraulic lifts. Well, no, but now when you see cars on blocks today, like the wheels are taken off and they put them on blocks because they're stealing the wheels. Yeah. That's what went to my mind. I was like, that's kind of funny. They have it up on blocks. Didn't you grow up here and like... Plastow or something? Where was it? No. You grew up. You grew up somewhere. Where was it? In New Hampshire. Yeah. Oh, New Hampshire. Okay. People still stole cars. I grew up in Lynn, so that's just like, why would you go to that and not me? <laughs> that's my question. I, Lynn I, Lawrence Haverhill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I work anyway, with cars. You work with cars, <laughs> and you and you go to, and you oh you but you work in Danvers, you show up there and how, how many cars are on blocks when you get to, when you get to the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so as he's over there, you see what's her name? Fotina, Fotina, the woman at the well. I don't remember her name. But they, they said it like seven times in the episode. Yeah. I don't anyway, they see her and she's she just like she's all cleaned up and loopy and totally loopy and giddy and just like hey oh hey I'm ready to tell everybody about you some more because <laughs> that's all she does is run around and tell everybody how great he is and how amazing it is and it's like oh that's so cool yes even her friends the market's like yes yeah i know (laughs) you've told told us (laughs) every he told everything he told you everything about your life Uh uh-huh yes yep like we know we know we know we've heard it good for you that's the thing is too is there is zeal yeah which we need um but when you have ze- when you have all you have is zeal and there's no relationship built into that, um, it kind of goes to the wayside. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. He's fixing my microphone. It's kind of funny. Um, when you have too much zeal, zeal without the relationship, what you're actually doing can actually become somewhat annoying after a while. And I think people around her in that town were starting to feel that. Jesus was there. Yeah, we don't know how much time has passed since the end of the first season and this. I'm thinking a couple weeks, maybe? A couple days. A couple days, okay. Maybe. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. A couple days, a week. Yeah. So. Who was the. Was the guy she was with the same guy that was. Yes, her husband. The, the one, who, the one who was like dying. He was, even says it later on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was actually quite funny in this episode. Oh, he was great. He was fantastic in this. So anyway, he looked totally different though. I guess he wasn't just sitting by a fire all slumped over. Yeah. No, I reckon I recognized him pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, he's ten feet tall. 
Um, yeah. So Thomas arrives looking for Jesus and Matthew is still hanging out in their like hangout spot. And it's great because basically <laughs> he's like, he opens up the door. It's like, oh, I don't know you. That's what Thomas says. I don't know you. Okay. Right. And Matthew's like, uh, yeah, great. Okay. And what's going on? He's like, oh, I'm looking for Jesus. He goes, yeah, everyone is. And slams the door on his face. <laughs> yeah. And <then> Thomas <laughs> proceeds to call Matthew rude. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so at that point, um, Mary's like, oh, Thomas. Oh, great. So Matthew's like, great, this guy. Okay, so he comes in. You know, Rama's there. Gaffney's there. Oh, so we know this guy. Okay, cool. And then the whole thing is like, who's rude? Oh, you're rude. Uh, you showed up and just said, I don't know you when you came to my door. <laughs> like, and, it's, and both of them have valid points, but it's so funny because Thomas is, is so smug in this. Matthew is just like... Well, he's autistic, so he's just like, no, actually, I'm this, and he's like tweaking out. Right. But it's this whole Thomas versus Matthew. I'm like, ooh, how is this gonna go? Because they're both very precise. Very precise. And they're both, and it, I, I don't know, because the way Matthew does, Matthew is due to a, his gifts. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas is uh, Thomas. Thomas is Thomas. Um. But I wonder if they actually really duked it out in this kind of conversation, who would win? I feel like Matthew... I was going to say Matthew. Matthew would probably win, but he would get very frustrated as he, he's doing He it. would, but you also see, like, even, episode, even in season one, not only is he precise, but Matthew is very, very, very intelligent. Oh, yeah. I don't think, as precise as Thomas is, I don't think he measures up measures up to the intelligence that Matthew has. And I think we're going to get there later on because each disciple, you know, each apostle um, is going to realize that they all play a part right. and they're all an important part. So we're going to get there and we're going to see it. And I think it's going to be awesome to get to that point. Um, so, yeah, it's like basically getting into who's smarter, who's more intelligent, who knows more. We'll see. So fine on Matthew. <laughs> okay. I'm not putting money down. Um, so we see Jesus, he's basically preaching in the square, just standing in the middle and he's explaining the, he's explaining the whole 99 sheep situation. He asks for someone to come out. He's like, any shepherds here? Great. And the shepherd basically answers everything, which I thought was interesting. He's like, what would you do in this case? And he's like, well, I would do this. What would you do in this case? Well, I would do that. He's like, and what would you do? He's like, well, I'd hoist it on my shoulders. I'd bring it home and I'd say, and I'd ask people and I'd be dancing probably. I'd be dancing. And then I'd tell, I'd tell people, come rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. And it's funny because wasn't it Jesus who said that? Well, he does. He repeats it. Basically. He does repeat it later on, but it was cool to hear it coming from the shepherd's mouth. Well, I love about this whole thing is when you, when you read the Bible and then you see this, when you, whenever I read the Bible, I take it as like, Jesus is sitting there, and he's solemnly teaching. Right, right. When you see this, you're realizing... What would you do? How would just, you handle this? He's like, just, yeah. He's doing what we're doing. Exactly. They're taking everyday conversation, and they're just writing it down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love how it's just, it's very simplistic. But it and it's brings, very natural. Not just like, here's a teaching. Right. You know, here's, here's a lecture. And that's, I know for me, reading scripture, that's what I've... You know, that's how I've always, because when, when, you, when you're looking at the Bible, you're like, okay, this is the Bible. This is Jesus teaching us something. Obviously, we need to learn something. So I'm taking it like, okay, someone's in a synagogue or a church, and they're showing all of this stuff. 
this it was just it it really shows how John and those guys are just writing down their story. Right. And it makes it real. I love it. I think they did a they do a really good job at taking the everyday conversation or not that they taking what's in scripture and making it come across like everyday conversation and not making it so overwhelming. Right. Right. I think that's what the cool thing is. It's not overwhelming. It's not like, oh, I can't add up. You can connect with this. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. So, I mean, Jesus basically just explains the whole point of that, you know, and how that relates to God's relationship with us and how he wants to be. And he just says, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous who need no repentance. Right. You know, and it's like, Wow. And it's funny because, and I, I think that kind of goes along with my thoughts at first. So when I first got saved, I, I remember thinking, I'm like, my testimony must be so much greater than anybody else who's been a believer all their life. Kind of because of this type of thought, this kind of mindset. Like, I lived my entire life in totally unrepentant sin. Right. Like, that was my life. I did whatever I wanted. And, you know, I live my life the way that I just felt like living my life. And then one day I decided it's not working. You know, I mean, I thought it was, but I realized it wasn't. And I gave my life to Christ. Now, I was like, I, you know, it was much more impactful for me to have a relationship with the Lord than anybody else who always did. Right. And that's kind of how it was for me. So I was like, oh, man, how great is this? And then, you know. Obviously, the the flame started dying down later on. I needed that. You know, oh, no, no, keep fanning the flame. Keep fanning right. the flame. But it was like that first, like, year, I was like, I'm on fire, you know? I'm glad you <laughs> did because if you hadn't, we wouldn't be friends. That's true. That's true. So, anyway, here we are. So we're like Matthew and Thomas. Mm. Yeah, I'm Matthew. Okay, I have the intelligence of Matthew. <laughs> Nah, Matthew. <laughs> okay. I pretty much have everything Matthew's got. <laughs> yeah, Lee is autistic. People. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, it's the testing I have to do for that. Anyway, so... <laughs> anyway, so the dude... Uh, what's his name? Melek? I think his name is Melek. The um, uh, the Samaritan who's who owned that property that they sowed and, and everything. Which you don't know yet. We don't know that. Well, he comes out and looks at it. So I'm like, the dude comes out and looks and sees it all on this property. And he's just like, um, what? Like, what's this yeah, all about? At first, you don't know who it is. I'm like, okay, he, it's obviously his. He's got a giant sl- cast on his leg mm-hmm. and a crutch. And he's just staring out. So I'm like, okay. So my first thought was he knew that Jesus was having the disciples, John and... Andrew. Um, oh, 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 sorry, yeah, Big James. Big James. Do a nice deed. And that those two were aware, but not fully aware. Right. Like they knew they were doing it for somebody, not for him. Which, that part ends up being true. However, it goes further than that. Because I thought that the guy knew. In this case, I thought he, I thought the guy knew, but the disciples didn't. In this case, neither party knew what was going on <laughs> except for Jesus. And he's like, the look on his face is like, I don't, like, what, what's going on? Like, <laughs> right. 
Right. How did someone like they basically tilled his ground? Yeah. Planting seed for fruits and vegetables. Exactly. And he's just sitting there like, I don't get what's going on. And then yeah. he hobbles back to his house. Yeah. And that's all we see of that. Then we see another quick scene where basically Jesus meets Gaffney, um, you know, who's been waiting for him. He's like, listen. And Jesus is like, dude, you've most likely had a long day. It's so great to meet you, but we've both had really long days. How about this? We're going to go get some rest. We're going to sleep, you know, get ourselves rejuvenated, and we'll talk in the morning. And, he, and it's so funny because Gaffney's been like, he just did this whole journey. He's so anxious to just get this over and done with. But he's like, dang it, you get, you get a valid point. Okay, whatever. Yeah, I'll do that. That's fine. Okay. So, um, and then they get into the whole point. I was like, hey, guys, let's take a note at what J uh, John and Big James did today. And as he was like, oh, they're like, we're going to go. I got to go see two men. Can we accompany you? Can we uh, escort you? He's like, sure. Okay. <laughs> so you take like two steps over. Here we are. <laughs> okay. And they're already stuffing their faces. He's like, oh, guess, guess you guys are hungry. Well, I was going to say, let's eat. So here we are. Yep. We were hungry. Here we are eating. <laughs> know, it was kind of a weird scene. I was trying to figure that out. Like, I'm really trying to understand, but the whole point of this episode really is that John and Big James, you know, got really proud after right. what they did. They spent the whole day doing all of what they did, and they're like, we must be the best. Well, you really see that because uh, the next morning is when they're at the table, right? Yeah, yeah, we get there. Um, but... They even <laughs> no, well, actually, not the next, not that next morning. Yeah. Did they go there that night? The no, next no. morning, Jesus takes off. To that was a different. No, that was a, that was a different night. That was oh, a different right. night. No, it was. It was. So anyway, they go to bed, and that's pretty much there. But at the next time, the only thing we see is the disciples walking through the streets, and they're trying to figure out what the plan actually is. So they're going through there, and the whole point is that they're waiting to see because Big James and John know the plan, and they don't. So these two guys who. You know, we're just like kind of following are now the ones who are in the know. Well, they think they know the plan. Well, they know some of the plan. They know the basic plan, which is basically, hey, Jesus wants you to buy food. We're going to have dinner somewhere. That's all they know. That's all they know. But they're 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 holding it like they are, you know, like, they're, we were they're told. Yeah, we were told this and uh, we'll let you know what you need to know. It's a need. It's on a need to know basis. And you don't need to know right now. And like, he's telling he like that's the. So he's telling Matt, he's telling each person to go and buy certain things, and Matthew's divvying, divvying up all the money to go right. and mm -hmm. buy certain things. Yeah. So I mean, the errand is that Jesus wants to provide dinner, and Matthew is just so hesitant because he's like, "We're gonna run out of money. We don't have enough money for this. If we go over here, we need the money to do this." And they're like, "Dude, like, just chill out. Give him the money." And <laughs> I wrote here, James and John are very racist. <laughs> Again. It's just a matter of like we recognize that like they are just like after everything gets divvied out, here's your here's your task, here's your task, and then Simon's like, "What are you guys gonna do?" Like, "Oh, are you kidding me?" Like, the, the, we're getting out of here. I mean, the, the one thing that's you know the problem with the streets of Samaria is Samaritans. too too many Samaritans, <laughs> and they just like bounce. Like, okay, well, whatever. And then so at that point, okay, we move on and we see um, Simon who's buying some wine. They said get three skins of wine, right? And he's talking to the woman there, and she goes, oh, I know him. Yeah, it's so great that he's here. It's amazing. And then she ends up giving him, like, one, one more extra one on right. the house. So, like, you know, anything for him. 
Anything Isn't she the that. same woman who tells what's her name? Yeah, we. Yes. Yeah, we know. We've yeah, heard, we've heard it before. Because yeah, Fotina shows up at that point, and she basically gives him this scroll, that's saying something in Hebrew, or whatever. You know, <laughs> I had to what? laugh when I read the scroll too, because um, you ever watch like a kids show? They have a scroll and like. It's this giant piece of paper, and it says one or two things, but it's in yeah. really big lettering. Right, right. So the kid can read it. Right. That was the impression I got. When I first... <laughs> like, why a scroll I, for this? <laughs> like, it literally says, like, one statement. Mm-hmm. Well, it, we don't know. We don't know that lettering and what that means. We don't... I don't which I, I don't wish s- they had done... Subtitles. subtitles for this part again. yeah but they didn't need to because it led to us it being a big reveal when it does happen right i mean a huge reveal but it's but a I mean, reveal. he opens it up and it looks like it was done on i don't know ms paint and it was just painted on there it, it looked very goofy it did not look like it was done in that time frame mm-hmm. the scroll it was just weird. I don't know. I couldn't. I had a hard time with that one part because it was just, it was big. Yeah. It was just goofy looking versus just here's a note with yeah. a quick. Or just speak to him and that. say, hey, come over. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So we kind of get there. She's, she's basically, and we kind of got the idea the way he said, like, oh, really? All of us? Like, that's a lot. And you can tell based on that, like, I knew, oh, you're inviting us to stay with you. Okay, I get that. Cool. Like, there's a lot. There's, there's 10 of us. You sure? Yeah, got it. So we get back over there, and Gaffney is waiting for Jesus, who is, of course, pretty busy. And he's he's I'm super sorry. impatient. And at I, one point, I can't. he's just going off, and he's just, like, ripping on how his daughter is, is throwing her life away and making bad choices, and she's over there making porridge. Go ahead. I'm laughing at a different part, but... Oh, okay. Th- this la- whole scene, too, is he's going on about, if you continue this way, all you're going to be doing is making porridge. So, yeah, his, li- like, his line is, it goes, porridge, good. Soon you'll know, you'll know every way to make it, because that's what you'll be eating when you don't have a job. <laughs> it's, he's just like... It, it's kind of funny. It reminds me of a way that I would respond to my kid if they were making a dumb decision. But it's like, hey, good for you. I hope you like that. Like, you better get used to these bars, kid. You know, like, right. It's just, hey, you're making your bed. Enjoy it. Well, that wasn't that wasn't the part I was laughing at though. I I forgot about the part when they get to the house. Yeah, that's later. The- that's <laughs> later on. That's later on. So <laughs> Jesus and Gaffney speak outside. <laughs> so Jesus and Gaffney go have a talk. And he's basically just saying, like, thanks for the miracle at the wedding, you know. And he's like, I'm an old man. And I'm like, really? No, you're not. You're like you're like 30 with a big fake beard. Jesus is like, you're my age. <laughs> yeah, but okay. As we heard with Jesus, he's it's not his place to correct people who are wrong. You know, just like, <laughs> there's only so much truth they can handle. <laughs> um, so, uh, at a time. So it's just like, come on, man. Anyway, so he's like, I don't want to. He's basically saying, I don't want to let my daughter go, but I'm in your debt, you know, for what you did for my for my business. So he's like, I'm I'm like against everything that you're doing, but she's asking, and I owe you, so right. I'm letting you go. And Jesus is like straight up, like, thank you for your honesty. 
He's like, you know, that's all I have. You know, you can see him tearing up. Yeah. Oh, so. well, the guy, the guy's just like, all I have is my honesty at this point because you're taking my daughter, you know, and this is that. And it's just but like, you see Jesus tearing up through this whole scene. Yeah. Because you can see he's, he feels his, for his heart. And you're like, Jesus just wants him to be on board with it as well, too. Mm hmm. But he, but he knows, like, it's a tough decision for him. Right. He knows how hard of a choice it is, but he also knows he wouldn't be following. So he's just like, whew, this is tough. Right. If I was in his shoes, I would get it. And he says right there, too, he's like, I'm not a father. I understand your love for her and how you care, but I'm not a father. Right. Well, I mean, he, he's, he is the father, but... Well, he's the know, son. He's, he's the son, but <laughs> he's the Holy Spirit. Okay. Anyway, um, but he's, he's really at that point... And Jesus says, like, listen, I ask a lot of those who do follow me, but I ask very little of those who don't. That's like, ouch. Yeah. Because the guy leaves on that. Yeah. It's like, ouch. Mm. And then this is where they do it. They actually do a close-up on Jesus' face, and you can see him. That's where he's, yeah. Trying to really tear up at that point. Right. And I think that's the greatest thing about this guy. You know, uh, what's it, Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus? Like, there's a lot of times where you see him and you're like, what's going on in his head? Like, I keep remembering that scene in Jesus Loves the Little Children. Was that episode three, I think? Um, One of them. Of the first season. Yeah. Where he's, where they're all um, praying the Shema and he's just like looking around at them and he's, he's like tearing, tearing up, up. As he's watching them. As pray. he's watching them doing it. And, and you can tell, you at that point, you can tell he knows that he's going to be leaving all of this. Like, he, he won't be a man on earth seeing this but he also he's he's tearing up for joy that right. these children have such a, a an under like they're they're coming to god like children you know and he's right. just like he's crying he's like i wish more men would have this faith you know would right. would pray you know to god like this i and think it's just, this guy is he does one of the best portrayals of jesus i've seen so far i know it's it's fantastic and but he's such a dude He's such a dude. And he's funny. He's amazing. So um, Gaffney goes over to Thomas after having this conversation. You know, he says goodbye to his daughter, and he goes over to Thomas, and he's, and he's like, listen, basically telling him he's a hard worker. He's been busting his, busting his butt and everything, and he, he respects him for that. But he's, he's, he's being a fool. Right. He's like, you're being a fool. This is foolishness. And the next and, time and, I see you, when you ask my daughter's hand in marriage. Yeah. And he's and Thomas is like what he's like I'm not stupid okay like I'm not dumb I I understand that's most likely when I see it, but when that day comes I don't know what I'm gonna say right you know I don't know what I'm gonna tell you but just keep her safe you know and he leaves at that so Thomas is just like okay like this guy is he gets it he feels it he understands like he's got a responsibility but also like all right we're gonna we're we're in this we're right. we're gonna do it you know so. Anyway, I thought it was a it was a great scene. We see her there, um, and she you know she cries because she's like we're doing this, we're in this together, you right. know. And you can tell this team has been building up. I mean, we, when we first saw them, we knew that something was between the two of them, and we see here they're both. Well, you knew when you first saw them in season one. You knew he had some, he liked her, because he was always right. like every answer and response was to make her feel good. Right. Now in here, you see they're more on the same page. Exactly. So. Yeah, which is great. I mean, they both witness the miracle. They both realize, you know, what Jesus can do. And right. they're like, they're going to do this. 
So this is probably the biggest part that I got here is, ah, yes. Um, Jesus goes over and looks at the garden, you know, that, that uh, John and Big James planted. And um, <laughs> they're very pr- proud and boastful. It's like, yeah, we did this. You know, we worked on this all day. Yeah, yeah, we know. You've told us. Because <laughs> then you realize at that point, as you're saying it, that everybody else is there behind them. Yes, we know. You told us. Right. We got it. Great. Um, but then they find out at this point that it was the whole thing was on some crippled Samaritan's parking, like, you know, parking on his property. Right. And they're, they're just like, are you kidding me? Like, what? Wh- really? And they even say straight up, like, you, I thought this was for travelers. And he's like, nope. Nope. Like, right in front of the dude, Melek. Right in front of him. And Melek's like, okay, fine. Well, now that I, what's, oh, oh, so spit it out. What, what do you, like, <laughs> he said, spit it out. Tell me what it is. Like, what do you, what are you expecting from me? Like, you just did this on my property. What do you want? Like, why? Why'd you do this? He's like, I've got, I've got no, no money. I've got no food. I can't donate to your ministry. I can't, I can't do anything. Like, what are you expecting? It's like, oh, well, he's like, yeah, I want to share a meal with you guys. Yeah. I just told you we don't have food. He goes, no, I brought the food. Right. Oh, okay. So then we kind of cut over there and they're sitting around eating food and they're sharing stories and you, and you hear like Simon just kind of like ripping on it. It's like, oh yeah, and the boat was tipping over and all this fish and you know, they're just sharing stories back and forth and they're making fun of it and you know, they're being goofy. Like, and they, they almost dropped it and their boat was sinking and they're like, ah, you know, whatever. Um, but as they're going through it, you know, finally the, um, the wife, Malik's wife is just like, listen, I, I need to ask you a question. You know, I grew up knowing that the Messiah was going to come and it was going to get rid of all the pain and suffering in the world, you know, and like, you know, if you're who you say you are, like, when are you going to be, when are you going to do that? When are you going to bring an end to pain and suffering? I love his answer on this too. It's basically, you know, the world that I've, that we're going to go to basically heaven yep. is where there'll be no pain and suffering. Right. This world, that's not going to happen. Right, and he and he's just he's like, I'm here to preach the good news that it is there. Right, like it it does exist, and you will get there if you believe in me. You know, if right. you believe in this news, if you believe in what's happening. This and is where she she actually now ends up bringing her daughter, putting her to bed. She puts the daughter to bed because obviously she knows that um, Melek has to has to confess about and what's have going his conversation. on and have his actual conversation exactly. Um, so he explains. Um, about the whole broken leg thing. And I love how Jesus like baits him on this. Like Jesus clearly knows. Oh yeah, of course. But he's, he said, she's like, Oh, so how that happened? I was like, so tell me about the leg. Speaking of this, like, tell me about your leg. And he's like, Oh yeah, I fell off a horse. And he goes, Oh, I don't see any horses. He goes, Oh, it's not my horse, a friend's horse. Oh, a friend's horse. Oh man, those are, that's difficult. That's tough. Friend's horse. And he goes, no, it's not a friend's horse. And he gets into the whole story, but Jesus is just going with it. Like, oh, a friend's horse, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's totally just baiting him, and it's hilarious. He's cornering him. Trying to have well, him, well, bait, corner, you know, he's, he's... He wants him to be... To be honest. Upfront and honest with right. everything and basically correct him. He's giving him he's giving him opportunities to lie. Or he's giving opportunities to be honest. Yes, but that's the point. He's giving him opportunities to lie to see if he will. Right. Or to see if he'll be honest. And he honest. tells how he, you know, basically he jumped somebody. Uh, yeah, and left him for dead. He, he, he basically for... jumped a Jew, robbed him, 
and left like, him for is dead. Is this like the other side of the Good Samaritan story? It is. Because that's how I took it. No, that's exactly what this is. Again, it's another reason we're seeing but another the, thing played out. So the Good Samaritan, right? This was the Samaritan who robbed the the Jewish person right. and, and left the them for dead. Right. And then another Samaritan later on comes down and helps him right. up. And that's where we get and this he here. he steals his horse and the horse basically throws him, throws off, him and, off and Christopher Reeves him. Right. That's awful. <laughs> well, he has a broken leg on a broken back. Not a... But you... <laughs> It's great. Okay, yes. So <laughs> there, there's more. <laughs> so they get into it, but the whole point is he's just like, I left this guy for dead. He's dead because of me. And Jesus just straight up saying, like, he didn't die. Like, it's like, what do you mean? How, how do you know he didn't die? He's like, I know. He, he didn't, didn't die. die. So he's just like, at this point, this guy's in, like, tears. Like, okay, this guy knows. He's he's telling me this amazing news. You know, I've been feeling tormented about this, and he's just like, "Why me?" And he, and he goes on to explain the whole shepherd leaving the ninety nine, you know, on the mountain to search the one that went astray. He's like, he's like, "What do I do?" He's like, "Go back to synagogue, learn and tell others about me." Right. You know, and he's just like, "Yeah, but like all this stuff." And he's like, "Why would you do this?" Why would you do this for somebody who's committed so many sins, such an evil man like me and Simon of all people? And I love that he didn't delve into it or elaborate on it. He just says he would. And it makes me think of that first time where Simon drops down on the beach and says, leave from me. I'm a sinful man. Right. You know, and I'm just like, oh, I'm so glad that Simon just said he would. Doesn't say he would. He did it for me. He just said he would. Right. And just left it at that. Like, I'm not going to interrupt Jesus much more. I'm just going to say he would. Okay. Right. He's backing him up. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so simple. And I love that because it leaves us, it leaves us to go back and remember how he was just like this. Right. And it's, it's the connection there between a Jew and a Samaritan, you know, who are both approaching Jesus in the same way. Get away from me. Why me? I don't deserve this. Yes, you do. Right. I mean, you don't, but. I'm going to give it to you as a gift. So, um, (laughs) after this whole thing goes on, (laughs) they're basically like, Hey, you know, we should probably get going. You know, it's getting really late. Jesus is like, (laughs) yes, he says, yes. You never know what sort of men might lay in wait on the side of the road. Huh? (laughs) And everybody just stops dead silent. Like, did you just say that? He goes too soon. (laughs) He's like, what too soon? (laughs) Jesus just dropped a too soon joke. I laughed so hard. And then like 10 minutes later, I laughed again because I like, I'm like, that was still great. Like (laughs) he's making fun of the guy right in front of his face. And he's like, too soon. (laughs) He's clearly making fun of him. I know. (laughs) To his face. (laughs) I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah, so at that point, like, and, and it's funny because he says that, and, and even Malik, like, stops and has to laugh about it. It's like, this guy's joking with me, but he's clearly, like, this guy's the Messiah, man. Like, right. this is amazing. So he gives him a hu- hug and says, sleep well tonight, my friend. Dos equis. No, <laughs> sleep well, my friends. <laughs> but he's just... Yeah, I don't it, sleep it, often, but when I do. But when I do. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus heals my leg. <laughs> With Dos Equis. Dos Equis. <laughs> I am uh, not the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> so he goes through and he basically hugs him and says, sleep well tonight. And he like, like basically like winking at him. Right. Like, this is going to be a good night, man. 
And so Fotina's husband is there um, who opens up the doors and you realize like, that's okay. So we see this guy and he's just super fun. I mean, he was funny ish in the beginning. He's like, Oh, I thought you were a robber or a thief coming to finally kill me. Like that's what we first see the guy. Like he's, he's funny, but just like morbid, like depressed. This part though, when they're going to the house though, and cause she obviously is just all over the moon. There's a lot, there's a lot more, I think there's more people than they actually have beds. Because she's like, we only have like 10 beds. Mm, no. No, they said, he, don't, he says, I only have five rooms. Five rooms. Yeah, but it didn't say and how many like, beds were in you there. You have this room, you have that room, you have my mother's room. So, yeah, I mean, he goes through it. He's like, we have all these rooms. And he's just like, yeah, he's like, I- I'm dying anyways. I don't need the house anymore. And he go, and so as, he's like, okay, whatever. Well, thanks. And as he's going, he's like, oh, one of the rooms is haunted by my dead grandmother. And Jesus goes, I'll have that one. He's like, ooh, I'll take that one. Like, he, he says it so excited. He's like, ooh, I'll take that one. And then was it Andrew? He's like, uh, yeah, I don't want that one. He's like, I'm all set with that. But Jesus' response was just perfect. He was like, ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. But it was just, it was, it was so unplanned. Because the, <laughs> the way he just, like you just see, he's like, ooh, I'll take that one. Like, it was beautiful. I was, I was it was good. It was so, so it was great. so good. Um, there was so many Jesus was so funny, sarcastic, down to earth. I, I personally, being a sarcastic person myself, connected a lot with this episode. Oh yeah, that's why so much in the first season was with Simon, but now Jesus is just like he's throwing them left and right. (laughs) He's landing them. They're good. I love it. So we see later on, or right after this, like Melek wakes up. And he's just like, he's like freaks out because he immediately knows even before he gets out of bed that he's healed. Off the floor. Yeah. like Yeah. He, he's just like off the floor. Oh, yeah. yeah he's on the floor. He's on the floor. His wife was in bed. <laughs> <laughs> and he just jumps up and starts like dancing up and down like with joy. Just well, like. For, well, no, because first he's like, uh, uh, uh. And his wife's like, what is going? Like she's thinking. Yeah. He's tweaking or something. He's like, uh. And he stands up and he starts jumping around and then she starts and they're all like, yeah, Yay! yeah. And so we realize he's completely healed. healed. And Jesus, and now I, I thought about this at first too. I'm like, I don't wake up like that. I don't wake up where I'm on my back and I just, I open my eyes. I'm like, ah, time for a day. Jesus opens his eyes smiling. and he's just smiling, like laughing. Because he knows. Because he knows that he just healed him. Perfect coiffed hair. Yeah. <laughs> His makeup is okay. Makeup is okay. <laughs> <laughs> Quaffed. <laughs> I hate that. I uh, really hate that when people wake up in a movie and they're perfect. Well, no, like they, just... they don't make them perfect, but they make them like this, like, that's an okay messy. You you don't know what I look like. I look like Kramer in the morning. <laughs> like, my hair is straight up like Marge Simpson. It's just, boop, here we go. And I and I look at myself in the mirror, and, and never mind if I ever shave or do a weird beard, because this morning I had the musketeer, just a little goatee and a mustache. Right. And I looked at myself. I've got this Kramer thing going on with my head. It's my hair sticking like six inches up off my scalp, straight up. And I've got this weird, like, mustache that's, like, kind of wrapping around and then, like, a goatee in the bottom. And I'm like, 
I look like a total creep. <laughs> like, this looks ridiculous. But you watch movies and everybody wakes up and their hair is like... Yeah, perfect. Straight, perfect. You know, and, you know, their makeup might be like a little bit off on the side for a second, but it's like they go like it's this and then they're good. just enough to show you that they were sleeping for 30 seconds. Yep. Versus us who sleep for, you know, six hours, seven yeah. hours, eight hours. Yep. Anyway. So, Jesus is smiling about it. And so John's looking at him like, dude, what's up? What are you laughing at? And he's just like, oh, well, you know, just I know somebody's waking up and having a really good morning right now. And he's like, huh? So he does like this little sign of like feet walking across his arm. And, and he's John's like, like, are you, you serious to be there for that? He's like, he's like, you can just you can heal. You can perform miracles not even being there. Like, that's amazing. But it's I, you know, he's just like Jesus is like, yeah, little feet. <laughs> little Love feet it. guys walking like and he gets it right off the bat so and he's like yeah and one day you'll be able to do that as well he's like what are you serious he's like yeah he's like yeah i'm gonna give you the authority to go ahead and heal people just like that if like, not more authority exactly like whoa so they're like big james wakes up like wait what huh what happened anyway they they're like let's you know let's get ready for breakfast they all sit on the edge of their bed and they pray I like seeing Jesus pray. I don't know why I'm so excited about that, but it just makes me feel good to like see he wakes up and he's just like, "All right, I need to get I need I need God to be here with me." Right. Like when he went to bed, he prayed to God. Like Jesus prayed to God. We pray to Jesus. <laughs> he prays <laughs> you know? to his father. He prays to his father. I mean, we we pray to Jesus, we pray to the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, that's what we do. We pray to the Trinity. But it's just, it's so cool to see him just like, this is his normal day. It's his normal routine. We're seeing normal things that you don't see. Of course, we've seen the Garden of Gethsemane and anything else we see right. with Jesus, you know, especially Passion of the Christ, you know, and, and we see that. But just everyday stuff before bed, waking up in the morning, it's so simple and it's a great example of how we should be living. Right. And that's what Jesus is. We were talking, was it First uh, Corinthians 7? Something about just like the single life, you know, what it is to like live as a single person. And it's like, well, Jesus was the perfect example of, of how it is to live as a single person. You don't have a, you don't have a, a spouse. You don't have kids. Live like Jesus. Nothing is holding you back from doing that. You don't have other responsibilities that are holding you back from sharing the good news, right. from getting out there and doing things. And that's where like missions and stuff comes in. And I guess that's a little area where there's like regret in my life. But again recognizing that God had a plan anyway. So I didn't have a chance for missions because I was already married and had kids or well, had kids coming. Your mission is your kids. Yes. Right. But when we, th I'm thinking like, you know, when people think about missions, they're going overseas, they're being, you know, evangelical, they're going around and doing all these things. And a lot of people see that and they get discouraged. Now the grass is always greener on the other side. So there are single people who are saying, oh, I can't do this mission of, of raising a family, you know, for Christ. It's like, yeah, but you can do all of this other stuff. Right. And then there's us saying, you know, I wish we could do all this other stuff, but then recognizing we have, we have this mission right. right here in our house, right in our home, which is why when, when we thought about purchasing a home, the first thing I said was like, I want to lead a life group. I want to have a life group someday. And sure enough, <laughs> right. it just it just kind of ended up happening. I didn't even ask for it. God just made it happen. You know, the, the everything kind of changed and worked in, in a way where it aligned. And then we were approached and said, would you guys take over this? Would you guys host a life group? Sure. And then it's like, would you guys lead the life group? 
Sure. So those of you who don't know what a life group is, it's, it's like a small group. It's a, you know, we get together and we share. We do life together. We do life together. Yeah. As we, a group. uh, wait a second. Isn't that your, your slogan for your wedding? Doing life? <laughs> for my wedding? Yeah. Bonnie and Clyde doing life. Yes. That was on like your, it was on like your uh, invitation or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. It was like little handcuffs. It said doing life, Bonnie and Clyde. I don't remember. It was pretty epic. I was like, oh man, you guys totally capitalized on it. I'm glad you did. It was pretty great. A little Bonnie and Clyde thing? Yes. Yeah. How, how many, how often does Bonnie and Clyde happen? I've heard a lot of names. You know that what's just funny? Is years ago. For those who don't understand this, Chuck's real name is Clyde, and that's yeah. why it's that's why it's funny. And he's married to Bonnie. A couple Bonnie. Of years ago, before we even started dating, we were doing a work day at church, uh-huh. and we were working on the sign that was by the street mm-hmm. and the bushes. Yeah, I was talking to her. I said, "You know, we could never date. We could never get married. We could never do any of that stuff." And mm-hmm. she's like, "Why?" I said, "Because we would be Bonnie and Clyde, and that would be weird." Mm-hmm. Here we are, Bonnie <laughs> and Clyde. Don't ask me how it happened. Don't ask me what. Don't, like I don't understand it, but it happened, and I think it's it was God totally. But it was just so funny because we totally capitalized on the whole Bonnie. Your and Clyde. marriage is a pun. It is. <laughs> we are we are Bonnie and Clyde. The ironic thing is, is Bonnie and Clyde were never really. They're not. They're not the. Bonnie was buried next to her husband. Clyde was never her husband. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, twists in turns with that. But what a twist. <laughs> it was just, it was weird. We actually came in with like glasses, all gangster style. For oh, our yeah. Wedding. I remember. It was beautiful. You, you were in it. I was in it. Yeah. Yes, I was there. Yeah. I was a second gunman, gunman on the grassy knoll. Yeah, because I mean, if you if it wasn't for my dad, I probably would have had you as my bridesmaid. Oh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I would have totally, you know, cut that bouquet too. And yeah, yeah. No. Nope. Anyway, so <sighs> Jesus heads out alone again, you know, trying to go alone, and that's when, um, you know, that they're basically sitting there saying, like, "Well, where are you gonna go? Like, how are we gonna find you?" He's like, "Seek, and and you'll find." Like, oh, another one of his riddles. No, that's pretty straightforward. Just seek. And you'll find, like, <laughs> you want to know where I am? You find me. And that just shows them, it just shows the whole point that they're all trying to guess. What are we doing here? What does he want us to do? He's not giving us straight answers. Like, what do we do? I mean, we saw this before with Simon, who is like, I, I have to be like the security guard, the bouncer. And he's like, no, dude, just go back be. and take care of your wife. Go back and do this. Go back and, and like, just. But it's also just at the same time, too, is in the moment. And this is one thing I've learned over the last year. Is we are like Simon. We're so trying to do for God. Do, 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 do. do. You know, we have to do this. We have to do that. We have to prove ourselves. We have to do this. We have to mm-hmm. do that. Right. And it's a performance mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is just in the moment, just be here with me. Just be. Be a part of what I'm doing. Be here with me. Don't try to think too far ahead. Don't try to figure out what's going to happen. Just be in the moment with me. Mm-hmm. Be with me. Be relational. It's like you and I here. I have no clue what you're going to say three minutes from now, mm-hmm. five minutes from now, seven minutes from now. I could guess, and I could try to do something that would bring us to that point where, 
oh, that could happen. But just being here in the moment, hanging out, having fun, doing this podcast, um, and having this conversation, it's just being, this is this right here is all that God wanted. This is what Jesus wanted with his disciples, to sit there, be, have conversation, learn, grow, enjoy dinner, enjoy life, and be there for others as you're doing it. And they're still trying so hard to prove what they can do and who they are versus just being in the moment with them. And in this case, with John and Big James, Big James it really gets in the way. Oh, yeah. Huge. And they get ripped apart for it. Too. They get rebuked. Big Straight time. up rebuked. And I loved it. Like, Jesus got rah. Yeah. I was like, woo. Put on, he put on the, the big boy pants and started using the big boy voice. As I, I described that, the big boy voice a few days ago, and people were like, what are you talking about, big boy? I'm like, you know, you know, you can sit there and say, hey, don't do that. Or you, hey, don't do that. I'm like, whoa. Anyway, what you're saying right now is a perfect time to plug um, one of our friends. Um, so our friend, Wesley Pearson, um, she actually wrote a book called The Orphan Mentality, which really explains a lot about that performance mindset where we have to perform in order to be accepted by right. you know, any type of authority figure, whether it's God or just anybody else in our life that we look at as some type of authority. So um, if anybody hasn't read this book yet, I mean, I, I hate to admit it, but I'll be totally honest. I have read a few of the chapters uh, like a couple of times because um, I really want to make sure it soaks in and also, it's just I put it down and then don't read it for like a month. And I'm like, oh, I need to get back into it. But the, so far, these first few chapters are amazing. Um, you can find this book on Amazon or a few other places for about 16 bucks. Um, but she wrote this. When did this come out? A couple, a year or two ago? About a year. About, no, it was during COVID. Was it during COVID when she finally released it? Wow. Wow. Yeah, but she's been working on this for a while, and it's it honestly is one of the coolest things. Uh, Tommy, her husband, was actually in your wedding too. Yes, <laughs> we were all we were all buddies. The, the but, book came out mid vid. Yeah, mid vid. Mid vid. Mid vid. Um, but yeah, if you haven't had a chance to read this book, I definitely recommend it. It's a it's an amazing book. Um, her testimony is fantastic. Um, I've I've it blows me away to to re realize that because I never heard her story firsthand. Um, at first when I first knew her and then when I heard about it, I was like, wow, God did some amazing things here. I mean, this woman was on her, her basically on her deathbed thinking she was going to be, um, either die very young or be stuck in a wheelchair the rest of her life. Um, and she was in excruciating pain. And then the Lord stepped in, gave her a word and she was healed. And it's just it's amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, that, and that's just, that's a part of her testimony, but some of the stuff that she's witnessed on her missions trips and everything out to Haiti and Brazil and whatnot, um, really helps us understand. It was like, it, this is something that you would see from like a psychologist, you know, would write a book like this, but she's not a psychologist. She's just somebody who witnessed these things and recognized, wow, what a correlation this has, you know, with us and our relationship with God and how we respond to, you know, God and other authorities in our life with this type of orphan mentality where we feel that we have to perform. Right. So it's anyway, I know we kind of jumped off for a second, but this, this is a very worthy plug for a book. So again, it's called The Orphan Mentality by Wesley Pearson, and you can find it on Amazon and other book places. So check it out if you get a chance.
even just read like you know the blurb that they have up there um it's it's fantastic um anyway jesus out there alone and you get these guys who are arguing at the table um about who's better <laughs> who's better you know because james and uh, big james and john are just basically saying yeah well we're the greatest he loves us and you know this and that he and told us the plan he told us the plan and you guys oh wait didn't you lose him didn't you just like yeah because we're not gonna lose him like they make some comment like yeah we'll do this and we won't lose him um he's like yeah we heard matthew what matthew said and then they all turn and look at matthew and he's like "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) whatever um but the whole thing comes down to it's it's like james and john against everybody else you know and they think they should be running the show uh, they're like he said we were excellent excellent planners <laughs> and young James like I think he meant excellent planters <laughs> <laughs> which I mean he seemed very sincere and like real about that like it seemed genuine what I love but, about this is when you when you, re- you hear about the 12 disciples you think you just had 12 guys who were all friends who were following Jesus and they all got along and this really shows that the mix of personalities, the mix yep. of lifestyles, the mix. That was most likely the case. Right. Because people don't just like automatically like, I'm following Jesus, so therefore we all love each other and we're, co- and we're cool. Right. Nobody does that. It shows like, <laughs> if you take a church, it shows all the ins and outs and the, the you know, the complications that mm-hmm. come with living in a group of that size. Right. And, you know who's going to do this and who's going to do that and who's in charge here and who's doing this and who's it's like wow and it really just boils down to if we stop focusing on who's going to do what and we put our focus on what God is asking us to do mm-hmm. and not worrying about what the other person is doing right it would be hmm. so much more smooth but at the same time we don't focus on that we don't look right. at it and say oh you know, A, B, and C. It's like, no, I'm better here. You're better there. You're better there. Let's do this. Let's do that. And Jesus is going, no, just do what I asked you to do. Right. And that's it. And I think, I mean, that goes back to the simple, like, comparing ourselves with ourselves. Um, it, it's 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 so rough to do that because that's when we st- when we lose track of, of what we're being called to do. Right. Because we're looking at, well, so-and-so is doing this, and I can do this better. I don't understand why... You know, but then we have those things where it's like we're being called. So, for example, like I'm part of the worship team, right? And I was I was one of the worship leaders for a while. I recently had to step down because I saw that there was an area that I was really being called to. The video team um, needed somebody who who had a passion for it um, and enough, at least enough of a passion to learn the new equipment and and basically pump it up. And it's funny because every time I, I stepped into that and applied myself, and this is not me, you know, Tune ringing my own bell or tooting my own horn, um, but it, it's like every time I stepped in, we resolved some big thing. And it's just, it was more um, assurance that God was pulling me in that direction. Like, because as soon as I stepped in and said, why don't we try this? And we're like, oh, that's a really good idea. And I'm like, oh, it is? Like, I'm not used to saying something and then people saying, yes, that's a good idea. Let's do it. I'm like, okay. Um, can I have this much money to buy a such and such? Yeah, if you think we need it. Are you sure? Okay. 
and we got it and now it's like we're like we have this full wireless setup now like a 4k wireless video setup at the church and i'm like wow this is amazing but the thing is you know finding that balance of like well i'm here i can do this thing but then being called to something else and recognizing where right. if you're stepping into it that god is going to open up those doors there will be challenges still but you can see you know, when you get everything else kind of going through it. And it wasn't a matter of me saying, look at this person who's doing it, who's not doing it right. It was more like, I have a passion here and I really feel God's calling me there. And I listened and I prayed and God said, step down. And I'm like, what? I thought you wanted me to be here too. Step down. Right. I'm like, okay. And then later on, when I finally stepped down, there you was that one. you were a good planter. Yeah. I was a great planter. <laughs> So, anyway, um, I forget. Remind me what caused. I was getting late now. What what caused John and Big James to go running after Jesus again? Well, they were just like in this part. Well, because they were just determined to talk to him. Like we need to ask him about this because they wanted to ask about the whole thing. Um, I think about the planting the field. Like, why did you have us do that? Like they wanted to know why. I love when they get out there. Jesus is like, really? Already? <laughs> Already? <laughs> Seriously? But this is this is great because this is the perfect timing that they needed to hear. But they needed to hear, and this is um, they find Jesus, and and they're talking to him. He's like, oh, so that didn't take that long. Okay, <laughs> um, and then they see some Samaritans. So they go to greet them, and they say, oh, hey, how are you? And the Samaritans turned around, and he's like, oh, let's give you our, our greeting that we give Jews. And they start throwing stones and spitting on them. To which, this was an amazing shot to see, because uh, Big James and John immediately went into attack mode. And Jesus puts his arms, and like, guys, and like, he holds and them back. Stops them. He stops them. And it's like, like, this was out of, like, another movie. Like, they were just, like, done... And he's like, no, no. And he's like fighting with them, physically fighting with them. So we see Jesus not just being gentle Jesus. He's like, he's like holding them back and be like, you're not moving. Right. Listen, what you, you're like, let them go. Let them get out of here. There's a lesson that needs to, needs to be learned here. And they, they turn around and start saying stuff. You should be sending down lightning and fire from the heavens to incinerate them. They don't deserve you. You know, and he's just like, um, are you kidding me? <laughs> he's like, they're not like us. They don't deserve you. And he's just like, why, why did you send us out to the field? Like, why do you think I sent them there? He's like, uh, well, um, these, he, he basically says these people that you hate, these Samaritans that you hate so much are finally starting to believe in him, the truth, you know? And, and Jesus straight up rebukes them says, you're not better than them. You aren't better than them. You have to be humble. That's the whole reason we're here. He's like, that's why I'm here, and I need you to be humble and help show the way as we are gathering others. You know? And it's just like, this was a huge wake-up call for them because they're there the entire time ripping on the Samaritans. Like, everybody else is kind of like, ah, oh, Samaritans, and in the end of, you know, of the first season. But here, like, these guys are just not... They're like, yeah, we'll go here, but we're still not going to change our opinion on these Samaritans. Right. We'll go do what you want us to do. But he's not realizing that the whole point they're there is to be humble and show the Samaritans that they're, that I guess that they're better, but <laughs> that they're not better. 
Right. But that they are humbling themselves. I love it, too, at the very end of this, too. Jesus comes full circle mm-hmm. back to just being his funny, goofy self. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you wanted to call down the fire of God on them? And, and to burn them all? And it's like, like, is that what it was? And you're like, yeah, that sounds kind of bad when you say it. And really? he just starts laughing. <laughs> it's like, like, you really? That's what you said? A like, little that's... harsh, huh? <laughs> kind of ridiculous but he says right there it's like yeah so you know james and john i was like you guys come you guys are like a storm on the sea so that's you know that's it i'm gonna call that's what i'm gonna call you james and john the sons of thunder and he, he explains like strong passion you know can be great or it can be good if it's channeled for righteousness you know righteous anger is good you know and that's a real valid point like we can like you can have a hothead but if they're hot if they're hot-headed about the right things that's good right so, um, but he's just like, yeah, so remember that authority I was telling you about? You're probably going to have to wait for that now. Right. <laughs> you guys are, you know, not ready yet. Not ready for it yet. <laughs> but, yeah, that was just really cool. So, anyway, they're over there. They turn around, and then that uh, the priest from Sakaar, like the, the, the big priest of Sakaar or whatever, shows up and asks Jesus to read from the scrolls of Moses, the Pentateuch, you know. Well, yes. So all, It's funny, too, because he's sitting there trying to decide which one to read. He's actually, John's there with him. Yeah, he calls him in. Calls him in, and he's talking to him. He's like, so, basically, one, he calls out that they only have the first five books. Right. Where's the rest of them? Mm -hmm. Uh, And Jesus is teaching him, okay, this is where we come in. We have to show that there is more Mm -hmm. than just these five. Yeah, but this is what they have to work with, so we're going to work with that. Right. He's like, so what's your favorite? He's like, ugh. John turns out and says, well, I don't know. What's your favorite? It's like you're asking God to make up, like, <laughs> is Adam my favorite? Is Moses my favorite? Is Abraham my favorite? Is yeah. Joshua my favorite? Well, like, it's funny because he's like, oh, maybe I could talk. How about we talk about that time where, where Moses just smashed all the tablets on the ground out of his anger? Or the time where, where Samson just killed all these people? Or, and he starts naming all these times where people were just like, angry right and he's and he's like i know he's like oh no we wait we can't do that because they don't have them here like <laughs> it's <laughs> but this is where john this is where the the episode comes full circle though right because they talk about in the beginning and jesus is like yeah that's one of my favorites too right and then and and he's talking about it but the cool thing is, is he's talking about it from the perspective of being there Right. Not just like, oh, this is one of my favorite stories. He's like, yeah, I remember. This is one of my favorites. Right. Like, I was there. And it's so cool. And then they're asking John and Jesus if they're ready. And you see, John's like, almost. Almost. Oh, oh, he's like, oh, sorry. Sorry. Almost. almost. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's like, oops, Jesus just saw my attitude. (laughs) Almost. Wait a minute. No. (laughs) But it was just... You see that. So then it was more of the montage of everyone coming in, sitting down. And getting ready to getting hear ready. him. Malik showed up. Malik shows up yep. with his family. They sit down. Um, and then Jesus starts reading the scroll. He has this, like, pen that he's Yeah, that's what they used. Yeah. Following. It was weird. Never noticed it before. Um, but it's just, you know, if they, he starts reading in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. He's, mm-hmm. He starts going through that. And then it fades. And then it comes back into 
Yeah, well, it shows John standing there while he's watching Jesus read it. And he's just, you know, he's just bawling his eyes out. Right. You know, just watching this happen. You know, hearing Jesus read his favorite part of Scripture. But not only that, you see he's... The way I took it was he's connecting what Jesus was saying about being there for the people who really don't understand. Right. And being there where they're at. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I'm not going to talk about Elisha or Elijah mm-hmm. or David or Solomon or Ruth because they're not there. They, yeah. So I'm going to talk to them about Moses, about Adam, mm-hmm. about you know Abraham. And I'm going to talk about these guys and really meet them where they're at and it clicks for John. Right. It really clicks. He's like, this is what it's all about. Um, and then it fades back to that dark and stormy night. Yeah, where he's sitting there and, and you know, as he's as he's thinking about it, John is just having his little flashback, remembering that time. Yeah, because this whole episode is one big flashback. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering, um, is that where they're going to go with the rest of the season? Just like a flashbacky thing? I don't think so. No, I mean, not... I hope not. I liked it for what it was in this episode. Yeah. Like, I loved the fourth wall break. Um, I love the flashback. I mean, I love Matthew in a giant beard. Um, and I think I especially loved the fact, the fact that you're seeing Scripture being written out. Right. Not just it being acted out. You're seeing how they're actually putting pen to paper on Exactly. This. Exactly. Exactly. Um, because at the very end of this, you see John basically writing down John 1, 1 through like 4. Right, right. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Right. Um, and really going into all of that. But you see the thought behind it. You see the... He's having conversation. He's trying to figure out what's the best way to portray what he's seeing. Hmm. How do you how, how do you do this? And you see along the way. And they do that really well, even in season one when they always started off fifty years ago. Right, right. And how they connected it to what is going on. If you actually go back and read John, I started to read I started to actually read Me too. the book of John. Me too. And you look at it and it's like, oh, they did talk about Moses and John. Right. And they show that exact scene. I'm like, right. oh, I forgot all about that. Like how when they're talking about the servant up on the rod. Yeah. That's in John. Right. Go figure. John yeah. was the one writing it down through the whole time in the first season. Exactly. Um, so it started to all really make sense. And it was cool because it's like it's making me want to even read more. Because my dad said to me one time, he goes, you know, the way you pick apart movies, he's like, you should get into scripture and pick apart scripture the same way. Right. This is allowing us to do that. This is. So it's funny because, so just like you said, um, as I read it, uh, or as I watched it, I, um, I decided, I'm like, huh, I don't remember John being like that. So I read like the first chapter of John and I was like, Oh wow! It was all of season it, one. It was it was like it was really really cool, and I was like, "This is really awesome." Like I read it totally differently. I wasn't reading it like, you know, here's here's the book of John. Okay, like I read it, and everything I read, I connected to, and I was like, 
Ooh. Well, that's the thing. Is, like, you first, like, when you, when you get to John 2, John 3, and you see Nicodemus, and you see the con... I'm sitting there like, <laughs> this is verbatim to the show. Right. Well, the show's verbatim to that. Oh, yeah. But I'm like, but the way they portrayed it in the first season where John's outside the door, list, like, eavesdropping, like, this conversation was written due to eavesdropping. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that historically accurate? We don't know. But it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It works. And it's like, okay, this is really, like, this is actually really cool. And now we have a face to, we have faces to put things to. Right. We have scenarios. We have scenes. We have the setting. It, it's painting, it's painting a picture that fills in all the gaps that we've had after reading scripture. It makes it, it makes it more personal to understand. Yep. For me. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a very visual person. Me too. I can watch I can watch a movie and... Muted. Uh, I'll, no, I'll shoot myself. <laughs> um, I can watch a movie and it could be any movie and I'll find something that God's trying to say within that movie. Yeah. Um, Are you going to the, the movie night, community movie night? I don't know. Because that's what, that's what our plan is. We're doing that. We're watching regular secular movies and seeing how God... What night is it again? I don't know. I don't think I'll be able to make it. Um, it's probably like a Saturday night. Probably. Yeah. But it's just really, it's just really cool how they did this, how they ended it. I actually liked this episode out of all of them so far. It's probably one of my favorites. Yeah. Like I loved a few of the last episode. Like I love when Matthew starts following Jesus. Oh yeah, I, I that was one of my favorite episodes. Now though, getting to see them all interact with each other, getting to see how they're, you know. Now that they're there on the same mission, there, yeah. Simon, Simon. Um, Behold, Matthew, I'm eating a new bug. <laughs> that was hilarious. And John the Baptizer, we call him Creepy John. Creepy John. Creepy John. Um, but it's just it was it. Overall, for me, it's just it's bringing scripture to life. Mm-hmm. It's making me want to to dive more into it and to understand more. But the, now that I'm reading it, I'm like, this is totally the first season of Chosen. Yeah. Well, for me, I almost feel like, and I, I've read through John. I've read through. I mean, I've read through all of all them. of scripture multiple times now. Yeah. You know, in the six years that I've cared to, all um, seventy-eight books of the Bible. So, <laughs> so <laughs> as, as I'm, uh, as I'm, as I'm, <laughs> whatever, my point is going through it. I lost my point now. Thanks a lot, Chuck. Um, no, my point is like going through it again. I'm reading it almost as if I'm reading it for the first time. Right. Because now I'm. Even though I know it, like again, having a face to the name, seeing how this played out, I, and I, I know that this show is not one hundred percent scripture because we don't know any of this in between stuff. Right? Where did he live? What did his house look like? Uh, was he you no? Know, did was he autistic or was he a gambler or was he you know whatever these characteristics are, like these things are are not necessarily true, but but, but they could be. 
and going back and reading scripture, I'm like, that makes sense. That and makes sense. That ex- makes sense. That exactly. Makes sense. All of it makes sense based on that. So, I mean, there's there's definitely an anointing on this show, whether whether it's prophetic and we're getting some stuff that we didn't get in scripture and we're just like, oh, we're filling in. God's telling people this is how they were. Hey, maybe, maybe not. Right. But regardless, nothing that they're doing in the show is going against scripture. So therefore, it's right. not wrong. It's not sinful. You know, there's right. nothing there's nothing here that makes me think it's going against the you know, the reality of scripture. So, you know, it's it's historically accurate in that sense. You know, maybe maybe the dude wouldn't have said spit it out. Maybe this guy Malik wasn't even involved. Yeah, I don't rem- I don't remember him. Too soon. <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> would be like too soon. Like he, he's using like today's humor back then, but it's but again, it's also not Ooh, out of the ordinary. I'll take Oh, I'll take that one. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I loved. I, that's, I think that is my all-time favorite part of this episode. It's just Jesus's humor and sarcasm. Oh yeah, so through good. and through. So good. So good. So he good. is in the moment, on point. He does it to their faces, and he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> anyway, because that's the thing is he. Could it have been too soon? Yeah. yeah it was It was Could like 30 so- seconds after he just admitted something. <laughs> he was like, I just I think I killed but a man. He didn't sin. It says in Scripture that Jesus never sinned. It doesn't say that he didn't make mistakes, that he didn't... I'm guessing he spoke out of turn here and there. He was Maybe. human. Yeah. He had to learn that kind of stuff still. Right. As a man. Mm-hmm. You know, too soon? Like that's gonna stick with me forever. That's gonna be awesome. That's it's, awesome. It is good. I, I want that to be the shirt that they sell, not just the one that says "Get used to different." Just too or soon. Or trouble. I just want to just like just fit like an outline of Jesus. Too soon. <laughs> what? Too soon? That's, with his hands up. <laughs> we should make one of those. I will. I have a. Uh, I have some iron on no, sheets you can, over you here. Order. You can order. We can make our own shirt. That's what I'm saying. I have iron on. We can we can make a shirt like right now if you have some plain shirts. <laughs> Actually, I got a, I I picked up a pack of these. We can make them on these. Yeah. Too soon? <laughs> Too soon? Anyway. Beautiful. Well, I'm so glad that we're um we're back at the uh at the chosen again. I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks since we stopped the other one, so I'm I'm glad that this all worked out. Um I don't think we expected it to come back so quickly. Nope. So, I wouldn't think it was going to be too soon. Too soon? So soon. <laughs> Whatever. So anyway, um, thank you guys so much for, for tuning in, for listening to us. Um, if you haven't seen the episode, then why did you get this far <laughs> in our conversation? Because you basically just heard the entire episode. Um, but so, honestly, get into it. If you haven't watched the show at all and you've and you've heard what we're saying, check it out. I mean, honestly, this is one of the coolest shows I've ever watched. And the fact that they're tying this, like, this scripture in to a show that's actually extremely entertaining boggles my mind. Again, we're usually bored with this stuff. And go a step further. Read the scripture that backs up the story. Exactly. It'll blow your mind. Yeah, when you see it, when you see it side by side, it's like it brings a whole new light and life to the words. For people like Chuck and I who have ADD and we need to have something visual, right. it's really helpful. I can't focus. I can't read books. Another reason why I haven't finished this Orphan Mentality book, but everything I've read over and over again is so good. Audio book. We need to have Wesley do an audio version of this book. Yeah, you know what? We should get Morgan Freeman to read it. <laughs> no, sorry. Sorry. Christopher Walken. No. Bill Murray? No. 
Hmm. Bobcat Goldthwait. No. <laughs> I want... <laughs> What's his name? I want Michael J. Fox to hold the book while he reads it. That's messed up. And, 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 and... Stupid. I'm just kidding. That's that's rude, man. Like he's going he's going through a really tough time. <laughs> I'll pray for you. <laughs> no, you should have um, what's his name? Uh, James Earl Jones. He could do a good book reading. Hmm. He's got the he has good he's got good voiceover. He does. Oh, I've never I've never heard his voiceovers before. It's either him or Morgan. I would pick him over Morgan Freeman. <laughs> the Orphan Mentality <laughs> by Wesley Anna Pearson. <laughs> Chapter one. <laughs> I, I wonder how that sounds on the microphone. I and guess I guess we'll Walken's. find it. <laughs> Christopher Walken. <laughs> the Orphan mentality <laughs> I can't I can't do it I'm sorry it's too late it's too late anyway <laughs> I, I've been trying to say goodnight uh, so I'm going to say it again here Good night. Um, thank you guys so much have a great one and check it out check out the orphan mentality if you get a chance again 16 bucks on Amazon um, once we release our audio broke <laughs> we'll let you know we'll let you know which impression we'll do, I'll be doing we'll do the audio version <laughs> yeah Chuck, Chuck will do the voices of all the women <laughs> what what well, hello Joyce Joyce anyway. <laughs> no um, but seriously though we want to say goodnight but before we do share the episode share the podcast share all of it Share and the sunny. chosen. Get the, get the word out there. Um, watch the episode and encourage a friend to watch the episodes, and then encourage them to listen to this. Uh, because aside from the chosen, black and white productions and reviews does a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some good stuff out there. So yeah, we got some really cool. Things all in going all, on. that's the biggest thing is just share it. Share, share it. it. Share it. Share it. Share it. Share it. So. All right. Good night, guys. Good night. Bye. Bye.